0: Hi. Hi. Welcome to the Authority Podcast. No, we're
1: starting. Okay. Yes. <laughs>
0: okay. Tonight's episode we're gonna be drinking
1: Founders Brewery uh, no, <laughs> Double no, Trouble. No, wrong one, wrong wrong podcast. Oh, uh, we don't do that? No, we stopped. Right. You don't want to start again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true.
0: <laughs> it's mostly true.
1: Anyway, I had I had a few questions for you, Bill. Okay, we're not going to tell. Say hi to the audience. It's been a while. Glad
0: no, because okay, I cool. I need to get these questions out before we say hi to anybody. Oh, oh okay. We're back. Nope. So, okay. Today's episode is uh, we're titling it "Exposing Yourself."
1: Yes, and it's all about. Um, this is not about the nude picture scandal.
0: Although very topical, oh man, so
1: topical. See what I did there? Yeah, I brought in current events.
0: Very nice. I know. And I don't get it. Like, they say there are these leaked photos, but I've searched high
1: and low and could not find any. Anyway, um, <laughs> so it's about getting well, your... Because you were looking for the leaked Jonathan Taylor Thomas photos. Those have been very well hidden. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I need to add to my Teen Bop collection.
1: Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Just pasting the, the nude Teen Boppers over your old issues <laughs> with the clothed Teen Boppers. You know, if you could get the pages unstuck apart. <laughs> uh, uh, you gotta be real careful those rip real easy yeah well
0: you saying Jew you saying <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas I'd have said that that'd have been racist <laughs> it made me think of like the the three worst things to ever happen to music this is not the question I was gonna ask you by the way okay. but this was on the drive over the three worst things to happen to music
1: um, I think we can all agree Justin Bieber um, uh, Avril Lavigne and it's so funny you say that because for about 20 minutes a day, I had Avril Lavigne's Complicated stuck in my head. On awful, repeat. right? I don't, know, I don't even know if I heard it in like the last four years, but it was stuck in my head all day today. It's so weird you would bring her up. And the Trinity Nickelback. <sighs> what do they all have in common? I don't mind some Nickelback songs. You're blowing my theory at it. They all, uh, they're all Canadian. Exactly. Oh, I and see. And they probably, probably all drank milk out of a fucking
0: bag. We're back on this milk <laughs> bag thing. But anyway, all right, back to my question that's been bugging me all week, right? Yes. All right, so the episode's about exposing yourself, putting your heart out there, blah, blah,
1: blah, right? Okay. So there's uh You want to, instead of just quickly blah, blah, blahing the main topic of our episode, you want to slow that down and actually say what we're talking
0: about? No, I'm teasing it so they okay. listen
1: to I'm, the whole episode. Okay, they're already listening.
0: Well, I it's mean, our, what if they're like,
1: commercial. oh, that's what the episode's
0: about. Let me fast forward or skip. Okay. All right. Exposing yourself. Getting your art out there for the world and, you know, curating and, uh, you know, what that all entails or something like that. Because, you know, we're <laughs> artists here and it, it'll be refreshing that we're actually going to speak to somebody, one of your friends, I believe, or somebody yeah, you know. a friend I've known
1: for a couple of years. I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, we used to work on a Nickelodeon show together and Probably the most fun job I've ever had.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great great guy. And and I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of good insight from him. His name is Jeff Masillo.
1: Jeff Masillo, Jeff uh, published author, poet. He uh, does a lot of visual art. It's He's super talented. And jealous. And I hate him. <laughs> it's going to be some good stuff. It's going to be an hour of me just going, why are you better than me? I hate you. <laughs> and then hang up on him. Well,
0: I mean, it's all the letters in his last name.
1: My, um, my name has more
0: but, Okay, so a few years ago, this movie came out that uh, I think we can all agree was pretty fantastic, critically acclaimed, starring Will Smith. Jeff Goldblum was in it. Bill Paxton was in it. Yes, I'm talking about Independence Day. <laughs> okay.
1: You might want to might want to expand on the a few years ago. Was <laughs> not like decades ago. Decades? Really? We were in high school when that movie came out, dude. It's, it's
0: Golly- like six years ago.
1: Oh yeah, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing 20 years. Oh god.
0: Yeah, you said it. Oh. Yeah, um so know. no, it's no, like only 15. 15. Yeah, yeah. Like 15. Okay. So that movie was pretty interesting in the, in the sense that like everybody's normal life was going on then. I mean, no spoilers here. Aliens come to earth
1: and you know i think everyone's familiar with
0: that (laughs) plot so we have to defend against these aliens before they destroy everything and it's it's mass chaos and everybody bands together you know all different countries united nations blah 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 right okay and then finally we defeat the aliens you know because of a virus and and stuff like that okay how long after like the quote-unquote we win yeah. Do people have to go back to like, I don't know, paying their bills and like, do you think the credit card companies would be like, you know what, that was pretty traumatic.
1: We don't care about your credit card debt anymore. Don't pay us. I'd say a month before everyone starts going. Well, that was fun. It was a nice victory. Sure, we lost some people, but I still know that you owe me money. You think, you think people would do that though after such like a, uh, an
0: intense... And, like, we're probably going to die. What are these strange things? Was shit
1: still up and running after the attack? Why why
0: not? They only destroyed, like, I don't know, a farmhouse. Yeah.
1: A farmhouse, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was the centerpiece of the movie, was that big action sequence where they destroyed the farmhouse. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was the crop duster who was a pilot. Did he die? Yes, he flew his plane into the alien ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kamikaze, that shit.
0: Yeah. But, like... You really think they had to go back and actually, you know, settle all their... Yeah, I think
1: eventually once everything calmed down, yeah, business as usual. Hmm. People are people, man. Greed greed will set right back in.
0: I, I would want to know how that played out and how long it would take for, you know... Because, you know, like after 9-11, like, things were somber for a while and yeah. people would actually help each other out bills it. in the mail, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true.
0: They would forgive you, though, for like if you were late one month,
1: maybe. I don't think so. No? I think they were still... I mean, you, yeah, I think unless you were in New York, you, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's been on my mind this week. That's interesting. What made you think of that? I don't know. Did you see Independence Day this week? No. No? Okay. No. I mean, it's an interesting thing. I just assume it would take very little time for them to go right back to everyone fall back in line. People are dicks. People are dicks.
0: I tell you what, if I were a creditor and you owed me something, I'd be like, we're cool, bro.
1: Thanks. That was some yeah. sick shit that uh, just happened. We're cool. Listen, I know you racked up quite an impressive American Express bill. Did you see that fucking alien, though? <laughs> right? Don't worry, bro. <laughs> I feel like a lot of creditors after the alien invasion would use the word bra. Probably. Yeah, everyone would just be much more chill. Jesus. You just
0: made me think of this one podcast that I listened to about four episodes, and I just couldn't do it anymore.
1: Four episodes in, it's still...
0: A lot. It's the broiest podcast ever. Downright brood? <laughs> no, oh. <laughs> not even. I don't even want to say its name, but like it would open with "Welcome to blah blah blah," where we're helping you crush it in the business world, in love, and and making friends. Oh. And like his voice was actually like that too. The Guy Fieri host it? No, and they had an episode. Check this out. How to optimize your Tinder profile using tips like Photoshop, angles, and who to approve and who not to approve.
1: God, that sounds awful. Ed Hardy sponsored, I assume.
0: Uh, maybe. A lot they, of Jaeger bombs during the episode. The only reason why I heard of this is because they actually sponsored other podcasts, like Cracked. Is this to the Cracked?
1: Yeah, They sponsored Wait, they, that one. Their podcast sponsored other podcasts. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Because they're right. bros. You know, they're, they're crushing it. They're crushing it. They have all that extra bro money to spend on advertising. Crushing it. Crushing it. Yeah. Speaking of crushing it.
0: Want to get Jeff on the line?
1: Yeah, let's call Jeff. Okay. Hmm. Oh, I wonder if he, he would pick up. Or... Hmm? He would pick up. Hey, hello. Jeff. Hey, what's happening? What's up, dude? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Dan. Hey, Jeff. Wait, how are you doing?
0: Hi, Jeff. I'm Dan. Hey,
2: Hey, what's
0: going on? Not much. Good to meet you. Good to hear your voice. Are yeah,
2: you-, you too, man. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, you know for having me uh, on it. It's pretty awesome.
1: No, thank you for coming on, man. I Appreciate it. This is Definitely. like the
0: first time we had like a real life like person who's not like just one of our dickhead
1: friends. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Don't
1: worry, I'm still a dickhead. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll abuse you a little less. <laughs>
2: Well, how um, how would he get going? You want to just jump right into it? What uh, what's the?
1: Oh, we started oh. already.
2: Oh, perfect, <laughs>
1: fantastic, <laughs> so awesome, dude. You want to
2: hear something funny? I'm kind of a, like an idiot. Uh, yes. I woke up. I got. I had a studio day last night at whatever the CVS, and I got home like two. I got pressed. I checked the the message you sent me. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get up early for the 9.30 a.m. podcast I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) do. And then I realized that I'm just an asshole, and because I had off, I automatically thought everybody else in the world had off. When
1: When I texted you, I legitimately almost wrote, like I wrote 9.30, I'm like, should I put p.m.? Nah, no, he uh, you should, you should have
2: just been an idiot, but I should have known that, <laughs> that it was, of course, the night.
1: <laughs> I wish I had a day free to just do podcasts all day. Be delighted. <laughs> well, shit. Sure. So, as I told you before, um, this episode's called, we're titling it Exposing Yourself, not in the sexy nice. way, but in the way of putting your work out there for the world to judge and Tell you how great or terrible you are And all yeah. the baggage that comes with that
2: Yeah It's fucking, it's terrifying It's, it, a ter- it's almost, it's like um, It's almost sadomasochistic In a sense
1: Oh completely, because you're almost begging Someone to just shit on you
2: Mm-hmm mm. It's one of the weirdest things, because Every single thing that I've ever done Put out, like in my on my own Whether it be, whatever, art or literature Um, I'm really want to put it out i really want people to see it or respond to it or anything and then the second i put it out i instantly regret it Like Uh, almost immediately where i'm like i should not have done that and everyone (laughs) now hates me
1: (laughs) i totally get that feeling just to give uh listeners a background jeff has published a bunch of books um the most recent book ease of access is a novel uh that he just published you can get it on amazon and a bunch of other places i believe I just Mm -hmm. downloaded it from Amazon myself. I haven't read it yet, but I did read your last book. Oh, wait, no. Ease of Access was your last book. Your new one is Snapshot America.
2: Yeah, that's that's the new one. That came out in July. And it's basically the same deal Amazon. And they got the ebook and the soft cover, or paperback, I should say. And, uh, yeah, it's all right there.
0: Well, the difference there, though, like Ease of Access was uh, you went through Author House, right? Which is almost like a self-publishing route. And uh, the new one, you actually went with a different publisher. Is that correct?
2: Mm-hmm. So, what I did, um, I was shopping these of access around for a while because I had basically Snapshot Americana was the first thing I ever wrote, kind of, because it was initially titled America's Forgotten Children. And I started writing, I think, when I was twenty or twenty-one. On that, I, and you know what?
1: I read the first page of it this morning as I was getting on the train. I was like, "This seems familiar" because I remember reading that "Your Forgotten Children" book a couple yeah. years ago. I was like, "Wait, exactly, Did exactly, I buy the same that thing." One.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that one was from years ago because we were we were together at um, Nickelodeon when I was doing when I was doing the um, the East Orange volume. Yeah, exactly. And- and essentially, um, what I did was, after that, I wrote New Orleans, a New Orleans volume, and then a DC volume. And I had this 225-page thing, and I was shopping around for a while. And I got close to a couple places, but to be honest with you, it was kind of a piece of shit. Because it was the first thing I ever wrote, and it, I was trying to be almost like a dosa writer. Like these long-winded sentences, look how good of a fucking writer I am. Which just completely gets in the way of any story. You know, it's really dumb writing to do that.
1: Yeah, it's so basically masturbating think, all over the page.
2: Exactly, exactly. I had like a point to prove
1: which I And
2: uh and then so basically I had that and I just kind of tossed that to the side because nothing was going on, which was America's Forgotten Children at the time. Then I started working on a couple other projects, Ease of Access being that one, and where I started finding out how I liked to write and how I just enjoyed it, which was kind of those short Hemingway kind of shotgun sentences to the point. So what I did after the Ease of Access is I chopped down um, America's Forgotten Children and completely altered the vibe and made it more of an easier read. and That's why it's really short and... Um, and I changed it to Snapshot Americana because now it's like a completely different book. But anyway, to make a long story short, I had all that done and I had signed um, a deal for a book that's going to come out next year called The States. So I had these things already kind of signed and ready to go and these actors were sitting there I was shopping it around and I had an offer from this guy. Kind of, He was a private financier. He worked on Wall Street and he offered to finance the production and the publishing through Author House of the Ease of Access. So I figured I might as well get that one out there as quick as possible so I couldn't have the other books come out after that. So it's kind of almost a strategic move, but not really, because it kind of happened accidentally, but it all fell into the line because the work was done, you know?
0: Sure. Sometimes those are the best strategies, the ones that just kind of fall on your lap or, you know, work themselves out.
2: Yeah, kind of in the sense of like if you got everything lined up, then whatever happens is kind of a positive thing because you're in the right direction. Um, but yeah, so so now snapshot just came out and um, it's uh, it's it's fun. It's doing all right. I think uh, we got a couple things going on. I'm going to try to do a, a signing down in the, the where am I going? Frenchtown, New Jersey, I think next <laughs> month, and then just see what the hell
1: happens. Awesome, man. So what, mm-hmm. what makes you? like what in your head makes you want to put something out there? Like what's the drive behind creating something and then going, I want to share this with everyone.
2: I think it's the initial, um, burst of enthusiasm that you get when you're actually doing it or when you just complete, say like, even if it's just a chapter or a paragraph or the whole book for that matter, the moment, like it's the most authentic feeling I think is the moment you're done because it's, the, it's, really the essence right there and it's that wow I want someone to read this and it's that instant, it's that, that brief moment where it's like alright now I'm ready to put it out and the trepidation only comes like down the road and I think it's just a natural feeling once you realize that it's officially going out um, then you start thinking like wait a second from a writing standpoint like what exactly did I write because the ease of Access I was a little nervous after everything was done and I was really excited I was really like just stoked to have people read it but then that book gets gets raunchy yeah then it came out and then i was like oh fuck people are gonna
1: read this thing yeah because there's there's some hardcore stuff that happens in that book were you worried that like oh man people are gonna think this is what i'm like this is what i want or this is what i think is going on in my life
2: yeah no and it was and i realized like a couple people that picked up the book that i knew that um you know, you kind of know from from work, not not for a long period of time, it's almost the worst case for someone like that to pick it up. You're almost much rather a stranger to pick it up, obviously. But, well, I mean, he, you might not have anybody, but someone you're working with kind of has this somewhat image of you, like, oh, this is this person I work with, and then they read something like that, and, like, I don't really know what the fuck this guy is at all.
0: Yeah, totally. Like, I... I, I it's so refreshing to talk to, finally talk to another artist, but... um i i kind of felt the same way that when i used to play music that i would actually uh invite some coworkers and you know the entire demeanor the demeanor that i am when i'm in the office versus when i'm up on stage and making like my my cranky pants like shit face oh my god uh, dude the faces
1: you make when you're playing bass on stage you look like you're either going to murder someone or exactly what you said you're about to shit your pants
0: yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> it's definitely a huge difference and you're just putting yourself out there uh um, yeah
1: yeah yeah, it's a dissimilar mindset. I think
2: there's almost like sections, almost like neurological sections, where it's you're obviously you're the same person, but you're becoming something in a different realm at that moment in time. And, and that, I think I'm heightening it to a certain degree by saying that, but at the same time, you're kind of hard going down a different path. And then say with music, like from your standpoint, you're on stage, you're doing that. And then the moment you go off stage, you're not different, but it's almost uh, a little like dissimilarity in terms of how you present yourself, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure, totally. Yeah. One thing that was funny when I was reading Ease of Access because what that book is about is about a um, a prostitute to the, to realities to the stars, but mostly focusing on reality stars. But he was a prostitute. It's a male to, prostitute, right? A male prostitute mm-hmm. to both female and male celebrities. Like he didn't care. He would just whoever paid him, he would do and when i started reading the book i didn't really know what it was about i just started reading it so it's in first person so because i know you i just assigned you as the first person reading it right. so in my head this is jeff's story that i'm reading and then when it got to the parts where oh he's about to have sex with this person i better real quick come up with someone else that this character is <laughs> <laughs> i do not want to picture someone i know in these fucking situations no. Dude,
2: my uh, my mother got the book and she <laughs> she made it two sentences in. It was like I'm just not ready for this. <laughs> it's, it's not happening yet. i I'm, She said, "Maybe I think she gave me five years." so maybe in five years I'll be
0: ready to read this. Nice. Now, are you uh, you have a, a few titles under your belt and you're doing a bunch of other things as well are you at the point where you're able to quit like this is your full time thing or do you still have a day job because like you always hear those stories about like the one guy who um, maybe works like in HR or something like that but has a passion for uh, I don't know like let's say ice hockey so he starts out at the the local (laughs) leagues and he's like a linesman uh, but he still has to keep his you know HR day job but you you know he really wants to be a linesman is this your dream for yourself Dan? (laughs) (laughs) no
2: not at all (laughs) <laughs> no, but um, basically, at this point, I'm still working. I uh, I work in TV. It's just weird. I'm getting, I mean, I always knew it, and I'm getting a first-hand view of, unless you're, like, the 1% of people in literature, books don't make any money at all. It's kind of a sad thing. Um, however, it does open up options, and what I just, because, actually, because of the ease of access, I'm in the process of negotiating um, to write a feature film script for some uh, independent production company. And that's the way. Yeah, exactly. That's where it is. And it's just, and it's funny because I never, I mean, years after years of years of either just, you know, writing for myself and also years of rejection, I never imagined um, writing a screenplay for somebody else, let alone being hired to do so. So that's nice. That's a definite job. Yet yeah, at the same time, I'm still, um, it's not, that's not solidified yet, so I'm waiting on that. So I'm still working at, I work at CBS, and um, there's a lot of peaks and valleys. It's a very weird situation because on any given day, just for example, like one day in general, or uh, specifically, when I found out about Snapshot Americana getting signed or, or officially um, signed on to the publisher, it's called Roundfire. When I found that out, it was, I was at work. And um, So it was an extreme high And then I stepped into a room Where I needed to go um, Like get a sandwich for one of the talent coordinators You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like <laughs> that big big high Like holy shit I'm a treat, I'm like achieving dreams And then snap to reality like, No asshole go get a sandwich yeah. <laughs> for, for somebody else <laughs> so so what was it's th- like I'm still in that middle ground But I've, I've tried to At this point I've been like Fortunate enough to uh I've been offered a couple positions in TV with different companies, but I said no a couple times here and there because I really just want to keep pursuing um, the writing and, every, and, and the art and everything like that. So it's moving in the right direction. It's just a slow process. So it's a little bit of a tightrope act because... You have to stay patient, you have to have that you know, little bit of self-belief that it's not going to all fall apart in 10 years. And it's so, so hard
1: sometimes to even just get that little bit of momentum that if you do see yeah. it moving in the right direction, you you just have to kind of pursue it.
2: Mm-hmm. And there's weird gaps. There's like big, big gaps where I remember I was listening to an interview with uh, Louis C.K. and he was on the cusp of like being big numerous times throughout his entire career. I mean, obviously he's humongous now, but I mean, a couple of decades ago, or not even that long, he was saying, you know, there's the moment where something would happen to you, if you get a writing job at Conan or, or Letterman or writing for some award show. It's like, oh, this guy's going to be huge. And then they'd go, and then it would just break down, and his phone would stop doing you know? And that just kind of happens, and, and you have to ride that fucking wave until finally you can find that one thing that keeps you on a good level, you know? I think it really is It's almost simple in the sense of It's consistently working But it's not simple at all Because it's really easy to just be like Fuck this, I'm
1: done I'm not doing
2: this shit anymore you Yes, know? So I've
1: said that several times
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like that, It's worked it, out it's, great <laughs>
2: <laughs> like that, Oh, that voice is always there And it's just like, you know what? It'd be so simple to just be like Burn everything
1: Oh, you, you have done. other voices? I just got that one <laughs> That's the, that's just the one rocking around in my head right now. <laughs> it's just saying fuck it. What was the uh what was the first thing you actually put out there? Was it um Forgotten Children?
2: Uh that was. Yeah, that was um yeah, which I have kind of like forgotten about a little bit deliberately. Um because it's a little bit of sloppy writing. So I'm kind of like burying that, but that's the first one and I I even forgot when that was. It was like 2006 or something. And then there was a period of just nothingness, you know.
1: Does it but get think, Does it get those, easier to release stuff like you got that first one out of the way, was it easier to put out the next one were there butterflies still in your stomach or is that does that get better now, or does it just stay? I
2: thought I thought it was going to be like, oh, this is it after uh, after the East Orange American America's Forgotten Children, I had this whole plan where I was like I'm going to put this out and I already had New Orleans and D.C., and I'm going to put out the whole book with, like, fucking random houses going to come knocking on my door. <laughs> and none of that, like, I was 22 or whatever, and I was like, none of that would ever, nor should it ever happen. Um, <laughs> and uh so it was one of those things where after I did the East Orange volume, basically nothing happened, and I just stayed writing. But this year... um It was kind of weird. Everything started getting a little bit easier and finding connections to put things out. And you know what kind of helped out, which is weird, was I was writing the ease of access and had that going and and knew which direction I was going to go with. But I started getting a lot of um, um, good positive energy um, or or whatever, like uh, opinions on the artwork I was starting to do. So I started not like, caring less, but I started kind of focusing more on the uh, a little bit on the artwork, and the literature kind of came more around because of that, because I wasn't going every single day about, you know, take me, take me, getting rejected, rejected, and stuff like that. I wasn't beating myself over the head with it. So I kind of focused on something else for a little bit, and it opened up the pathway for, for writing, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, and then for um, for listeners, you can see a lot of Jeff's artwork on his Tumblr page, which is jeffmusillo.tumblr. which is M U S I L L O, and it's really great. I was started seeing like the first time, like when you were posting it on like Facebook, I was really impressed with it.
2: Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I do a couple. I do two different things with it because I moved to Brooklyn a little over a year ago, and when I was down in Jersey, I had a lot of space. And I was just painting on canvas. Um, but then when I moved to Brooklyn, significantly less space. And then the um, rents for, you know, uh, to, to paint around Brooklyn are ridiculous. So I started working a lot uh, with digital artwork. So I've been able to kind of jump back and forth with actually painting on canvas and then doing digital art pieces. And uh, this month I have two shows, one for paintings and one for the digital pieces. So I've been able to kind of play with both, which is nice.
1: All right, so that that brings up the next thing I was going to ask you, which is basically the public displaying of it. Now, because you do these gallery shows and you're there and people are sitting there, you're watching them absorb your work for the first time. Yeah, that's brutal, dude. Dude, like, I remember when me and Dan, like, I haven't been in a band in 15 years. Dan used to play a lot longer than me, but when we were in a band together and I remember playing those shows and our band was terrible was such yeah. a terrible band. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, but I remember being on stage, and it's like, you're facing the people. At least, like, if they're looking at art, your artwork, you can kind of just not look. I know it's impossible to do that, it seems, but... No, but wait. you can't escape. You can't escape. I'm staring yeah. at these people staring at me yeah. with disinterest as I'm playing a song terribly. <laughs> I was staring at you, too. The two,
2: so. the, two <laughs> the two like worst things, in that sense, are... You know, playing the band and being a stand-up comic. There's no
1: escape unless you can walk off stage. Yeah, oh, being a stand-up is worse. I mean, I like, if you're playing guitar, you can, you can turn around, face your drummer, you can just look down and not look at the crowd and, right. you know, ignore the silence by listening to the music if you're right. a stand-up. Oh, and my just, God. If you're bombing, that's got to be the worst feeling in the world.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I almost, I, I have no, I'm a huge, huge stand-up fan. And it's because I can't – well, because it's awesome, but also because I can't do it, you know? It's one of those things where, like, there's no way ever, A, I'm not funny enough, and B, I don't have the ball. So it's like I couldn't imagine going up and bombing even once and just being able to walk off and live after that. Like, I don't even know how they exist after a bomb, you know? And they go back up. It's amazing.
1: I've actually flirted with doing – like, I've sat down – because I'm also a huge standup fan, and I'm just like, oh, man, I would – Just the feeling of having everyone laugh at your jokes and just that instant feedback of everyone just immediately loving what you're doing. Like I've sat down and I've written pages of jokes and then I'm like, well, this is stupid because the second I get up on stage, I'm going to mumble like an idiot and walk (laughs) off crying. This is never going to happen.
2: That's the biggest thing. You could have just just fire and aces on the page and then you can get up there and it's just nothing's coming out. It's just like
1: sliding in your mouth and no one can hear you and it's like, fuck it, this is awful. Oh, I'm way too fragile for that. I would fucking <laughs> break. That's why podcasts are nice because you can just do it, put it out there and mm-hmm. don't, and just... Just it, ignore everything just else. ignore <laughs> everything else. <laughs> All the comments exactly. like, you
0: guys should really stop doing this. You know, nope,
1: I'll, nope, I'll, here's gonna, a new episode. I'm going to turn off the comments section of this post and just... <laughs> Dude,
2: that's the thing with, the, with writing. It's kind of a similar thing with podcasts, where it's like you are, I mean, podcasts obviously, you have uh, multiple people. With with writing, it's, yeah, you're solo, but it's similar because no one's there really like standing over your shoulder or looking you in the face and like judging you harshly, really. You know, you're just kind of doing your thing and you're you're in your own zone. And then you put it out and you don't necessarily have to be, as we were just talking about, face to face with any sort of criticism. You know, it's kind of nice. It's, It's very liberating to do that. But at the same time, with like musicians or, again, stand-up comics, it's funny, you watch the people, those who get better, again, to reference Louis D.K., are the ones that really did step up to any sort of criticism, you know, and just said, fuck it. I don't care, and it takes a really special person to do that. It's pretty extraordinary.
1: Oh my god, it takes you just have to be made of just iron to do it. Yeah, and that, and just
2: insanity. You just have to be an insane person. Well,
1: what's, <laughs> what's it like being in the gallery while people are watching, looking at your stuff, so, and commenting so on it?
2: It's weird. I've never, I've never enjoyed an art showing. That's because I, have my own, and my own work being there because. Usually, at the stage I'm in, it's kind of a, it's not a prestigious thing. It's not like a Chelsea, New York art gallery showing. Um, it's usually like a dingy bar or public assembly in Brooklyn or something like that. So it's a party atmosphere. So first of all, it's not really good for people to go like just dig into your art. Yeah, so you're in between started. shots. <laughs> people don't really give a shit. So it's like kind of weird just standing there. But I, I can't enjoy myself because I kind of am looking at the people that are looking at the art. And there's like a, a gut shot when... Someone goes up and maybe, like, stands it for a split second and just moves on as if it's just like, yeah this is not up to my liking. And they just <laughs> fucking bolt. And oh, it's like, oh, damn it.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, they have, like, the, the plaid shorts that are cuffed at the bottom with the suspenders. <laughs> you know what true.
2: I'm talking about. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, worst, the worst art show I ever did, and I was kind of fooled, um... Because it was this post, I I really forget how I found it or they found me. I think it was some sort of random posting, and it was actually a a show in Chelsea. And uh, it was a private show, uh, and they didn't specify anything of what's going on. Just, hey, you're going to be in Chelsea, it's sponsored by this person. And I get there with my artwork, and lo and behold, I find out that that's all true. It's in Chelsea, and it's a private show and but it's private because it, the room was rented out by some uh reality tv show and it was all these girls like kind of like bickering in the art show i had no idea what was going on i'm what? standing there trying to show my artwork and i like i'm not even supposed to be there really you know what i mean and this it's is just a setting for these
1: girls to need, fight at
2: that this is they needed you know like how everything's set up like okay in the reality show we need these people to get together how are we going to get together this cast of people oh we'll do an art show in Chelsea okay we need oh, people that, that whole thing happened without me even knowing and I'm showing up like
0: oh shit alright I'm doing an art show in Chelsea and i like, man you must have felt <laughs> so used
2: I was, I was oh my god just totally and, and I'm standing there and I'm like wait a second what the hell is going on and then I start seeing cameras break out I'm like oh fuck off I'm in this reality show And I hate, like, I really, if you read these effects, I really hate reality TV. And there was a (laughs) a moment at the end of the show where they asked every artist to say something like thank stars, say thank you for your time, or explain your work, or thank the organization or the show that you were on. I ran downstairs and just changed smoked cigarettes until it was over. I refused <laughs> to say a word. for you. Show.
1: Fuck that.
2: That's this. awful. I had I had the saddest moment. I was there. It was after the whole thing. Like when I realized what was going on, I got really sad. And then I'm like, I gotta get the hell out of here. So I waited to the end, I waited till everything finished up. My girlfriend and my mother came to the show and I texted my girlfriend, I was like, Just let me know when all those stupid speeches are done. And, um, and I'll come back up and pick up my artwork. So she texts me and I come back upstairs. I get the artwork. We leave. We went to a uh, Starbucks afterward and they're playing uh, Nirvana. And I just felt like the biggest sellout thinking of like Kurt Cobain. And like, I was just having my artwork in a reality TV show. I'm like, this just sucks. Just thinking, like just listening to his music made me really sad
1: Oh it just probably made you feel like You just cheapened everything you hung in that fucking room <laughs> And
2: basically I was just Caught I was just tricked into doing it
0: uh, so You it, were just a prop You were a prop in a reality show If it was up to them they
1: would have just said Can you just drop your art off and leave And we'll use this guy we casted to be you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except you were cheaper Because they didn't have to pay you told <laughs> <laughs> they totally
2: fucking they got
1: me so, oh, man. is there, in terms of your your art versus your writing, is there a difference that you notice? Of, since art, I almost feel it's like something that is interpreted, whereas you know you can interpret writing, but it's more of just a I liked it or I didn't reaction. Like, do you notice? Do people kind of try to? Uh, I'm, I'm totally watching this. What you no, mean? No, I'm like, um, just saying.
2: There's, there's definitely like. Um, what I think you're saying is that the type of reaction in terms of well, yes, like that's artists, what I'm
1: with, saying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> with art, there's obviously the thing I like about it the most is the immediacy. There's an immediate reaction to it. You know, um, I can get not only the reaction, but I can get things moving faster with my artwork. In terms of I've been, I've been lucky enough to get in a couple magazines and stuff like that, and it's a very fast-moving process. Um, with literature there's so many different elements involved with A, just finishing the book and then B, finding a publisher or that whole process, getting an editor. I mean, I have a book right now. I finished, I don't even know when the hell I finished it, but I sent it out to this great publisher. It's, um, they're called the Zank Books and they've had it now for just under a year. So that is like, if I didn't have anything going, that would drive me up the wall because that's way too long to wait you know, yeah. Um, so there's no. That's the difference between literature and art is the just a quick process involving art. Um, but the fun thing, I mean, with with literature, from what I've been able to gather thus far, is people. And I'm not saying you can't do this with art, but the people that I know and that have talked to me about some of the things I've written, they have um, they dig a little deeper with the literature in in terms of either trying to find out what something meant or kind of digging into something, you know, uh, a storyline, trying to dive a little deeper. That is the fun part with literature is there seems to be people kind of going a little, you know, further with it inside, in, you know, trying to figure out more, whether it be philosophy or just kind of a, a certain turn of phrase or whatever.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking... I'm just thinking of like art douchebags who go in there, like, well, I this makes me feel this way, and this like people that just don't know what they're talking about are just talking out right. there, right?
2: There, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of that, and it's like it's pretty. Sometimes you just wish, like I've had major feelings over a certain art piece, and then there's sometimes where I walk past one, and not saying it's bad, I'm just like, oh, that's cool, and you just keep walking. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to. A lot of people just. Tax shit on for no reason you know yeah, that's exactly. and i have no problem i have no problem with someone coming up and being like i like the colors in your painting it's like oh thank you because yeah, like, it's that's a genuine a reaction. Compliment. yeah exactly or even like a yeah re- yeah exactly whatever reaction is fine it's funny because as i was saying with that one art show when someone walking up and looking at the painting for a half a second and then walking away you almost much rather being like i there's something about this that really doesn't make me feel good like a negative reaction obviously is better than no reaction at all oh
1: yeah having someone at least take the time to think about it is better than them just going "Eh, i don't care i disregard it
2: right absolutely there's i mean there was um this artist uh his name is mark he's gone now mark rothko and uh there was a lot of people, like a lot of good art critics at first were like, I-, I don't know what the hell this is. I don't like it. And the same people, it kind of stuck to them, and it grew on them, and they were the people that kind of brought him um, some attention later on down the road. And sometimes that happens to a negative reaction, and not necessarily negative, but just kind of an odd reaction, you kind of latch on, sometimes more than even a positive reaction, and it grows inside the critic's head and that expands a particular art piece. but um, Yeah,
1: because it sticks with you, and you're forced to think about it because it's kind exactly. of just lingering in your brain.
2: Exactly. But again, with art, as we were saying, there is like a lot of bullshit. I, I mean, <laughs> I did a show once where uh, standing next to me um, was this artist. He's an installation artist, and his piece, I'm not bullshitting, was a lampshade... With a hockey stick and a basketball
0: on top. So deep. That's <laughs> that such a it that's it such a metaphor together. for um, <laughs> a lot of the pain that we feel in professional
1: sports. Yeah, it's like yeah, the yeah. lampshade represents the darkening of your light in s- <laughs> in in sport in sports. Yeah, and because we
0: have such a dichotomy between. Oh, good word. I just wanted to use dichotomy. That's a
1: great use. I'm it's not really sure broad. what it means don't know dichotomy but i've heard it yes it's great
2: (laughs) so there's like there's plenty of that bullshit around and it's just a very weird thing i remember just almost being like a lot of my friends came to that show and it was almost funny because nobody really cared about my heart because we were just all criticizing that lampshade piece (laughs) like what the fuck is that he's like why nobody needs that nobody needs to see that nobody needs that in this room and nobody will buy that
1: ever no that's a dude that forgot he had an art show that night (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, shit let let me put something together (laughs) okay mom's garage what do I got I got a lampshade I got a hockey stick (laughs) fucking glue them together
0: What is the glue (laughs) god dude (laughs) you
2: know what the worst part is I I vividly remember this guy he was super like nose in the air excited about himself um, cut off dungaree shorts, um, a, <laughs> very, a very very loose fitting tank top, and a Brooklyn Nets hat with the brim not bent
1: at all. Oh, flat brim. That sounds about right for a guy that made that piece of art. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, going back to what you were saying about stand up before, I mean, I don't know if you're giving your, you know, you're not giving yourself enough credit because you do, you've done poetry readings, right? Yes, yeah. That's, um, I mean, it's not like stand-up where you just get instant laughs because most people, you know, they'll wait till the end to react to it. Right. But that's still I, ballsy to get up there and read your work to a group of people.
2: Yeah, no, I get to, um, I get. It's, it's funny, I get to cheat a little bit with that because I can go up with a book. So I can kind of bury my face in it. But it is still weird. Um, I recently did one, I think it was back in May, and it was, because uh, I put out, between Ease of Access and Smash on Americana, I put out a chat book um, called Can You See That Sound with this great little publisher called The Operating System. And they had me read in Brooklyn at um, this place called Peace Candy Shop. And I had not publicly read in years. And I remember the first poetry reading I did, it was at, shit, what the hell was it? It was Brookdale College. And I was terrified. I'm just, you can hear the shaking of my voice across the room very easily and that stayed with me for an extended period of time and I realized that when I got back up this go around this past May to do this reading there was a part of me that felt good in the sense that I didn't care anymore like I was still I was nervous but at, and there was a voice in my head at the same time that said who gives a shit you know what I mean <laughs> like, Yeah,
0: like, yeah you, could, you kind of that needed practice? that first experience in order to yeah. learn from it and now you're mm-hmm. totally crushing it brah
2: <laughs> well, it, was, it was one of those things where it's like if you uh like I, I definitely sucked at the first poetry reading so you just know the worst case scenario is you just suck and then no one cares
1: yeah yeah everyone so, you know? kind of just gives you that slight the slow polite clap and just <laughs> like right, yeah
2: Maybe like ten percent of the people actually listen to what you were saying. Yeah. Well, Dan, just standing behind you at the wall.
1: Well, Dan, when you were in bands, um, yep, and you would perform. Like, I've been to a bunch of your shows. There were like sometimes there were pretty decent crowds there, and then sometimes there were like me and, and me. Yeah, most most times it yeah. was the latter. Yeah, for sure. But like when you go up there and you're playing like a whole set of songs, like how do you how did you keep up your motivation? Like say you saw like a crowd was empty or just not feeling it. Like how did you keep up it's, your energy throughout the entire set? Because Jeff's reading reading a poem, I mean it's it could be a little longer, it could be shorter, but you're playing minimum half an hour up there. I imagine the the process is probably very
0: similar in the sense that it doesn't matter whether there's one or one hundred people out there. Like what you're doing when you're putting yourself out there you're putting yourself out there really it's very selfish it's for you i mean sure you could get and feed that energy off of the people that are receiving it but really it's just about you and that's part of um the for lack of a douchey term the art that you're putting out there like if you if you just read it out half acidly, then nobody's gonna receive it as much as it could potentially be received, I guess. Like if I play a song just because and this is why I fucking hate cover bands, but like if I just play a song and like, you know, I just go through the motions, people are gonna sense that and like nobody enjoys it at that point. Whereas if there's five people in the crowd and I'm playing a song that I really like and I'm getting into it, it doesn't matter um if it's good. They might receive that, like I'm really into it and they might get that energy and like you know, enjoy it, even though it's only five people. It doesn't matter. It's like, it's yeah. got to come from within you. Definitely. So, well, you said... You, oh, go ahead, Jeff.
2: But Dan, do you feel, when, like, as the show goes on, I guess it's a natural thing. I don't... I haven't done many, like, stage things with, with poetry readings or anything like that, but I felt... Because the poetry... The, the thing that I read is... I think it's, like, almost 10 to 11 minutes long reading out loud, and I realized about, like, three minutes in, I started kind of getting more comfortable uh, with music. With music, do you just, as you go along, do you kind of get into a flow of it?
0: Yeah, and you you kind of have to do it um, that way. Like, maybe not within that particular set, but maybe uh, from the first time that you do it to, like, the, you know, hopefully the next time that you play up there, you're a lot more comfortable and you just, you're able from the onset get into that comfort zone. Um, yeah. But definitely as it goes on You you almost sometimes forget That you're up on stage And you're just like You're lost in Not to use a cliche term But you're just lost in your music
2: Yeah and that's cool Because that's when you're having the most fun I assume
0: Oh absolutely uh, Because like yeah. you don't even You're not even aware of the reaction So like if uh, somebody's giving you the stink eye You don't even notice it Because like you're just feeling it You're totally blown out at that point
1: Right See and you said something earlier that I thought it was interesting mm-hmm. cuz when you were you almost apologized for using the word art with your music. Mm. I think art isn't used enough as a term. Like yeah, we when we're like Jeff we're talking about your work, we're talking when we say art, we're talking specifically about like your digital and your paint art. But mm-hmm. literature is art, music is art, stand-up comedy is art, and yeah. something that's personal that you're creating that's sure. being absorbed by someone else. I think
2: You know what I think it is? I think the best artists are very um, self-loathing, and they almost view the term, like, I can't be this. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I don't like the term because other people use it that, don't, that shouldn't use it. You know what I mean? And I don't want to be associated with that. Like, again, I keep referencing him, but I know from, an, I think from that same interview, Louis C.K. hates the term artist, and I think he is an artist. I think it's because he has, like, a little bit of self-loathing to him, and he hates how other people use it and get away with it, even though they shouldn't be using it.
1: You know what I mean? Yo, he's very self-deprecating. He's just, he's, yeah. a bunch of times I've heard him say he's just up there telling stupid jokes. And he's, like, way beyond
2: anything else, too. That's that's the funny
0: thing. I, I kind of view it um, from a different angle. Like, almost from my perspective, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Like, to mm-hmm. me... I'm putting out my music. If you want to view it as art, cool. But, like, that's not... I'm not going to force that on you. I'm not going to take that yeah, pretentious no. tone, like, if that is even a pretentious
1: thing. But, like, that's it just kind of... There's people out. that can talk about their art in a very pretentious way. Sure. Yeah. But it, it doesn't mean it's not art. It just means that particular person is an asshat. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's
1: true.
2: I, I think the best way is, like you were just saying, then how... It's all up to the person, really. I mean, it's up to you to a certain degree because you're making it, obviously, but you're making it because you have this feeling and you have this motivation, whatever drive, wherever that comes from, um, for anybody. But you're putting it out so in a sense it no longer belongs to you. Once it's out there, it belongs to whoever's listening, whoever's watching, whoever's reading. And um, so, like you said, it's kind of up to them to judge it however they want. And there's something exciting about that because if it's judged not necessarily positively, but judge in an authentic manner, it's really what
0: you were looking for,
2: you know? And like you said, whether people think it's art or whether people think it's whatever else, it's completely up to them. To a
1: sure. Yeah, totally. Now, yeah. had you guys noticed, and I know this, especially just from doing the podcast and like people, and I don't, I never ask. I it's, it's given to me where people go, oh, I listen to your podcast. It's good. I like it. Or I get a lot of, hey, how's your beer podcast going? I'm like, oh, okay, so you have no idea that I stopped doing that six months ago and I've been doing this <laughs> other podcast, but that's cool. Do you do you trust family and friends to give you honest feedback? Like, do, will you ever go to someone and say, hey, this is what I've done. I want your honest opinion and then expect them, even if it's they think it's not good, do you trust that they'll tell you that? Or are they just always just going to be like, no, it's good because they don't want to hurt your feelings?
2: No, I think I've asked because I really do depend on other people's opinions. Um, It really helps me out a lot. And I've asked particularly, like, the same people throughout my life what they think of whatever I'm doing. And I'm able to pick up almost in their first second of reaction. You know what I mean? Because even if they lie after that, the truth was in that first second. So I can gauge if they really liked it or not. And I know whatever... They're, they're saying they're just being kind if they don't like it. I need to work on it more. So they'll usually say nice things, but I'm still, I can tell when their level of, you know, kindness is really genuine or it's just kind of like, hey, you know, well, I'm just being nice, you know? Yeah. Like I mean, I should say their level of uh, critique, I should say, not their level of kindness. So I've been able to kind of like, since I ask the same people, I can kind of gauge that what, what what they're saying is real or not, or I need some more work, or you know, from from there
1: on out. Like Dan, Jeff actually, before the whole thing got rolling, he he messaged me on Facebook just saying, "Hey, just want to let you know I've been listening to your podcast. I think it's really good and and it's yeah. funny as hell and stuff like that." And I was like, I was so taken aback because I could just tell like it felt genuine. Whereas other people that I've know have told me, sure they like it, and I'm just like you listen to maybe five minutes of it, or you saw my facebook post and no, no,
2: yeah i remember
1: um i popped it on one day i had
2: like with the studio days that i work for uh i it's usually late days so starting at three o'clock and i was up around the apartment at 12 and i was i think it was at the like i was transferring some pages over that i was working on or whatever and i was just like oh new one i popped it on and I kind of stopped writing, to be honest with you. I kind of sat back and just let it go, and it, it was awesome. That, that was the day I messaged you, actually. It was, uh, oh, man, what was the subject? It was talking about a car. I oh, believe.
1: we were talking, to, I think, Dave uh, about, uh, about Lamborghinis. Lamborghini's? Oh, yeah. Praises? Yeah.
2: yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was the one. I was cracking up. <laughs>
1: See, this is the this is why I had Jeff on. I didn't I don't care about any of his art. I just wanted to get to the part where he compliments me. <laughs> <laughs> I could care less about anything he's done. No, but um before you mess with me, I wanted I was I wanted you on the podcast. I was like when we first started, I was making a list of all the people I knew. I'm like, all right, well, I want this person to talk about this. I would love to get this person to talk about that. So when we talked
0: about t- Jeff, you this was before he messaged you.
1: Yeah. That's uh, amazing. It, because I I hadn't talked to you in a while, so I was like, ah, it would be weird if I just out of nowhere like, message this kid and be like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? Oh, by the way, have you been for a couple of years? <laughs> <laughs> so, that would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I have the confidence to do that for a couple other people I haven't talked to in a while. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, we're, we're getting close to an hour now, man. This has been fucking fantastic.
2: Shit, awesome. No, dude, thank you guys for having me on. I'm having a blast. I get nervous with this stuff because I never know if I ever make any sense. No, you were like I, it's just, it's just, I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, and it, admittedly I had a few whiskeys in me, so I didn't, that was kind of you know, off kilter already. And I'm talking to him, and about midway through, I, I was trying to read his face. And like, I don't know if I'm making any sense to this person right now. <laughs> And it kind of derailed the conversation because now I was just trying to focus on making sense. And I was just like, I got
1: to go. Never mind. Uh, I've had those moments where I thought the exact same thing, except I'm I'm like, for some reason, I've like, am had a few drinks, but I'm hyper aware of the fact that, no, it's it's a goddamn fact that I am not making sense right now. And they are just being polite and entertaining everything I'm saying right now. And the second I stop talking, they're going to be fucking grateful.
2: Yeah. But the thing is, he's just when you're in that zone too you keep laying it on you keep talking you know, oh you you're think like, you're uh, going to dig yourself
1: it. out of it yeah like you're oh, just digging
2: yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to find the end of this maze and you're going to be with me the whole trip
1: you're going to be with me the whole way and
2: the person's just like
1: Jesus Christ <laughs> and you notice by the end of the conversation they're about six feet further from you than when you started <laughs> and
2: like
1: when did you put your coat on <laughs> <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> So, Good stuff. Oh, shit, I, had a, I had a lot of fun. This was great. That was awesome, man. So plug plug away. Where can we find all your stuff?
2: Oh, shit. Well, all right. So basically, um, I think the easiest way, if anyone wants to check out any book, um, I think just type in in Amazon, my name is Jeff Musillo, M-U-S-I-L-L-O, and they should both pop up, ease of access and snapshot Americana. And then... Um, I have an art show on the 19th of this month, but I am an idiot and I have kind of no information on where to find that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, You're uh, going to have to get better at that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm definitely I'm awful, But uh, I guess maybe, you know what I'll do? I'll put it on my Tumblr uh, and then if anyone wants to check it out, it's at the Cutting Room in, uh, in New York.
1: Um, so at the Cutting Room on the 19th. Yes, December nineteenth. Oh, we got it. We figured it out. We <laughs> did it, guys.
2: <laughs>
1: so yeah, and that's about it. Um um yeah. Do you have a Twitter account? I don't. Dude, get a Twitter account. If you're I know, be an author, you need you need even if you don't use it, just have one. I know. I, I don't know why. I, I
2: have no reason. I'm not like against it or anything. I think I'm just lazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely like, from the conversation, the, if there's one thing that I gleaned from it, is you're totally a lazy dude.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- between the <laughs> writing and the art and an actual job, dude, get <laughs> off your ass.
2: <laughs> social social media is a goddamn job. Like, staying on time, I can't come up with witty stuff for, like for Twitter every day. That shit, that scares me, that stuff.
1: Oh, dude, it's ridiculous. Some of the just following all the stand-up comedians I follow on Twitter, they're just constantly just pumping out jokes. It's yeah. i like, yeah, I don't but. have
2: Twitter, but I'll go on to Bill Burr's Twitter all the time.
1: Oh yeah, Burr's great. Burr's
2: fantastic. <laughs> all right, <laughs> so I need so I need a Twitter account, and and that, that'll help me out with my shit.
1: Yeah, you know, start. You know, if you think of something funny, just tweet it. It doesn't even Perfect. and then if someone laughs at it, they'll they'll follow you and the next time you have a show you can tweet that and they'll be like, Oh, this guy that made me laugh one time has a show. It's alright, it doesn't translate to comedy, but I'll still go see it. <laughs> Perfect. Dude, thank you so much for uh for doing this. Yeah, thanks, no, Jeff.
2: Thank you guys, man. I really had a fun time.
1: Alright, man. Talk to you later.
2: All right.
1: Bye. Later. Sick. Oh, that kid's fucking great. I haven't talked to him in years, and I just forgot. When we worked at Nickelodeon, it, we were uh, PAs for a show. Was that that kid's show it that I've that... been desperately trying to seek online? Oh, see, as soon as that show ended, like once the like that I left that show, I went and I searched everywhere to preemptively try to get rid of stuff. Damn it. Because I have appeared on that show. I know. <laughs> you it? should see the long tail search terms
0: I put in. <laughs> Google just to try to find fucking clips. Fine, and then I'll, like you know, I'll challenge-
1: Mariachi band kids Nickelodeon. I'll challenge anyone who's listening. There was a Nickelodeon show that ran in 2008 called Me TV or 2007. It was called Me TV. It ran for one season, it was just like an afternoon kids show. You will find maybe a shot of the host on it you'll find nothing certainly not me in a mariachi band or a hillbilly jug band or anything like that <laughs> you won't <Yeah>. find shit <laughs> I,
0: I did see a few stills of i think the hosts getting slimed or something like exactly.
1: that. exactly that's all you'll find fuck yeah I gotta, but I gotta, that was one of the most fun jobs i have it was me jeff and then a couple other pas who we would do a live show for two hours and the rest of the time it was just a fucking blast that sounds uh,
0: sounds amazing better than uh pumping out spreadsheets well
1: that's what i do now <laughs> i i think um unless you're doing something creative for a living it all ends in you pumping out spreadsheet. spreadsheets yeah. in one form or another i make production calendars and budgets you pump out some kind of spreadsheet because i still don't understand what you do no, it no one does no nope. i'm not even gonna i don't even explain it anymore like don't what, bother
0: yeah <laughs> no. what do you do i work in computers do I really work in computers? No.
1: No. <laughs> I know that. I know you work <laughs> computers. I know you work for something that involves sales. So yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um so even though Jeff
0: doesn't have a Twitter, we do and yes. I actually came prepared this week. I wrote down our Twitter handle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I forgot to do that. God damn it.
0: Follow us on Twitter. We are Authority Pod. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do have a not really a website, but you could go to soundcloud.com slash The
1: Authority Podcast to see all of our previous episodes, including this one, when it gets posted. Yep. And you can also down, uh, subscribe to us and download us on iTunes. Yeah, that's
0: right. We're on iTunes. Just search for The Authority. Um, but probably the best bet is to, uh, can they get there from our SoundCloud? Fuck, we're not prepared for this.
1: No, you can't. You can either go on iTunes or go on SoundCloud. Either way, the Authority Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like if you try
0: searching for the Authority on iTunes. No, it you have to type in
1: the Authority Podcast.
0: All, all the words?
1: Yeah, because if you type in the Authority, a thousand things will come up. Right,
0: right, right. But with the spaces in between the Authority and Podcast. Yeah. Three words. Yeah. So, I mean, this is uh, this has been great. Like, I, I feel bad that my availability has prevented us from pumping out more episodes.
1: No, we're going to try to get back on track, though. Yes. We're going to try to get these out maybe hopefully every two weeks or three weeks. Not just like once every two months.
0: We'll definitely under-promise and try to over-deliver on that.
1: <laughs> Dan's <laughs> motto. <laughs> um, thanks to Jeff Masillo. Again, go on Amazon.com. His book, Ease of Access, I just finished reading it. It's great. I'm about to start Snapshot Americana, even though apparently I did read it a few years ago when it was called another book. <laughs> was it, that's the, I was reading some other article, and I should have asked him why I was on the line.
0: But there was something where he was gathering stories about some guy he knew and put it into a book. That might be snap. No, I don't know. Might, uh, I don't know. We'll have to ask him next time we have him on the show.
1: Yeah, I, actually, he was one of our best guests. So
0: yeah, for sure. Very coherent. Unlike yeah, like Matthew.
1: Matthew. It
0: he always gets, comes he gets his you.
1: once once an episode mention. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't you didn't end up going to the the stick it party. We're going to go really inside no. right now.
1: Okay. <laughs> Strap in, kids, because you're not going to understand anything, apparently. Did
0: you know that house has a basement?
1: Yes, I've never been down there.
0: We were down there playing beer pong, and okay. it was the first time in a very long time that... Why weren't you playing
1: in the backyard like usual?
0: It was downpouring. Oh, okay. It was raining a lot, and um, but they had a beer pong table set up in the basement right next to the des- desserts, all the desserts were down there and beer pong, so... Wow.
1: <laughs> before
0: they put out the desserts, How we much ate them. did you gain? <laughs> <laughs> but it was the first time in a really long time that I had Bud Light and Coors Light. And, Ugh. like, I... Back when we did the other un-nameless, nameless podcast... We had
1: a podcast called Downright Brewed. It was about <laughs> beer. Why are you ashamed of that podcast? <laughs> I
0: I never thought I was the type of person who would... Uh, thumb my nose, is yeah. that? Yeah, yeah you like, got it. Keep going.
1: Um, at like one of those types of beers. Dude, I'm telling you, we've trained ourselves to not like that shit. It really is. It's not
0: something that I would say, oh my God, this is horrendous, but I would never pick it out. Like, no,
1: it's, there's a significant taste difference between all the quality craft beers that are there and then like Bud and Bud Light and sure. Coors and Miller. They're really shitty, cheaply made lagers that people just consume because they're cheap. We, you should have seen the
0: beers that we had While we were waiting to drink those shitty beers Like Francis was pounding some 18% ABV uh, stout In between, you know, of course, like How
1: quickly was he drunk? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing <laughs> Our but friend Francis gets drunk Like turning on a light switch He'll be sober, have a beer You'll turn around, pick up a pretzel out of the bowl Turn back to Francis And he is shirtless on the floor <laughs> <laughs> It was amazing And... By the way, Jay and
0: I are unbeaten in beer pong as of right now, so next time anybody wants to pick up that game, Jay and I will be ready. Just tweet at Jay.
1: Thanks to Jeff uh, Masillo. JeffMasillo.tumblr.com. Hopefully we'll see you again soon. Yeah. (laughs) Peace out. Bra. Bra. Keep crushing it. (laughs)